Now may we turn in our Bibles, please, to the book of Amos. The book of Amos. Chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa. I'm going to divide this message into three general divisions. First, the God of Amos. And second, Amos' message to Israel. And third, Amos' preaching. As you open this minor prophet in chapter 1, we're told that these are the words of Amos. And then you immediately begin to read the nine chapters which we have. And all the way through it, Amos says that his words are the words of God. And if you'll notice in chapter 1, verse 3, Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four. You read down verse 6. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza and for four. Verse 9. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Tyrus and for four. Verse 11. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Edom and for four. Verse 13. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of the children of Ammon and for four. And that's the way it goes. Every other breath, every other sentence, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Chapter 2. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Moab and for four. Verse 4. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Judah and for four. Verse 6, thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Israel and for four. And that's the way it goes. Every time he opens up his mouth to say something in addition to what he's just finished, thus saith the Lord. And yet the message begins, the words of Amos. The words of Amos. And Amos is delivering the words of God. Now turn to chapter 3, verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O house of Israel. Hear this word of the Lord. The word that the Lord has spoken against the children of Israel. And you turn on through message after message. Chapter 5. Hear this word. Ye that, that which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. Amos is delivering the word of God. And he delivers it in the name of the Lord. And he makes that exceedingly clear every time he opens his mouth in relationship to uh, what he's proclaiming. 
Now I want you to see in the first place that Amos's God is the one that has given this word to Amos and he is also the one under whom Amos is ministering and declaring these stern words against Israel. In chapter 3 and chapter 4, all through these sections here, Amos is speaking in behalf of the Lord. And in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, The Lord hath sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon you that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. The God that Amos is dealing with is a God who by his holiness He's perfectly righteous in all his ways. And it's this righteousness of God and the holiness of God that Amos is in the conscious presence as he delivers these messages to the children of Israel. And as he delivers these messages, he's doing it without any tampering with or modifying the holiness of God. He's doing it without any uh, qualifying or any uh, degree changing the righteousness of God. And Amos' concept of God is that he is a holy and a righteous God and the children of Israel are in difficulty because of God. They're in difficulty because of the holiness and the righteousness of the Almighty God. Now as you listen to his speeches, and we have here a record of sermons. He preaches a sermon, and then he gives another sermon, and he gives another sermon. And many of the major prophets, Jeremiah is that way. All we have is a record of what these men said when they went out and preached. And beloved, I believe that it's this kind of preaching, the same type of preaching, the same exaltation of holiness, the same commitment to righteousness that you find here in these great prophets that we are in such desperate need today in the world in which you and I live and in our immediate community. Now in this fourth chapter, if you look on down through this fourth chapter, you'll find a reference here to the fact that God is desirous that his people may return to him. And when you come down to the 12th verse, we read, Therefore, thus will I do unto thee, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God. This has been a great evangelistic text in years past. Many preachers have taken it and they've gone out and preached to the ungodly, prepare to meet thy God. But beloved, this is a text that was given to the house of Israel. Amos is here preaching to the people of God and he's saying, you people who are the children of Israel and you people who are under the promises, you are the ones who need to prepare to meet thy God. You're the ones who near this message. Now notice verse 13. For lo, 
He that formeth the mountains and createth the winds and declared unto man what is his thoughts that maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts is his name. And here Amos comes into the presence of this holy and this righteous God and he says he's the one who formed the mountains. He even created the wind that nobody can tell where it comes or whether it goes. But he also is able to declare what are the thoughts of man. Every thought, every idle word shall be brought into the light of his judgment and in the presence of his holiness it shall be judged. And beloved, we are living in an hour when the church of Christ needs to be brought right up into the refining light of the holiness and of the justice of the Almighty God. And he's telling the children of Israel here, I'm the one that can tell you what your thoughts are. I'm the one that knows what's in the heart of man. And then we read here, He maketh the morning darkness and treadeth upon the high places of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. And beloved, any man who rises and preaches in the name of this great holy God, the one who makes the mountains, the one who creates the wind, the one who knows what's in the heart and the mind of man, the one who's able to turn the morning into darkness, and the one who indeed is the Lord of hosts. When you come into the presence with this solemn and the majesty of this great God, you have to recognize that he is absolutely supreme and his judgments are final. Alright, you turn to the fifth chapter. And in the fifth chapter we read, Hear this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. And then we move down to verse 7. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth. Seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion, and turneth the shadow of death into the morning, and maketh the day dark with night, and calleth for the waters of the sea, and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name. Oh, the greatness of Amos' God. He says he takes the waters of the sea and he lifts them up into the clouds and he brings them across and he dumps them upon the earth. And he is the great God who maketh the seven stars and gave Orion the constellation in the heavens and turneth the shadow of death into the morning. Israel, aren't you interested in pleasing this God? Aren't you interested in serving this God? Aren't you concerned about the righteousness of this God? Amos had a God. And Amos was close to the righteousness and the holiness of that God. And it was because of his close relationship to it. And the fact that God had come to him with this word, this word, this word, that Amos then proceeds to deliver this stern message against the house of Israel. 
Well, let's turn in the second place and look at the message against the house of Israel. I want you to turn with me to chapter 5, verse 1. Hear this word which I take up against you, even a lamentation, O house of Israel. Now we're going to find, as I unfold this for you, that the situation in those days was not too far away from the situation that you face today. We're living in an age when no one is supposed to speak against uh, the activities of the Christian church. Nobody's supposed to raise any questions in these particular areas. You can talk about most anything you want to, but you don't get into denouncing the, the house of Israel. That's something that's out of the bounds, and it's something that uh, you, you can't discuss. You must be careful in these areas. And Amos was dealing with the same problem as we shall see. Now will you turn with me to the third chapter, and in the second verse of the third chapter we read, you only have I known of all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Verse 6, shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? And what the prophet is saying is, you children of Israel, the trumpet's blowing and you're not afraid. The prophet is crying out against your sins. You pay no attention. And what he is saying is that the people have become insulated in their sin. And this has produced a coldness and an indifference. And they've turned aside to other gods. To Moloch. He calls Moloch by name. And now he says, I will punish you for your iniquities. And beloved, God is going to punish the people of God when they turn away from him and his standards of morality and righteousness. That judgment and that punishment will come from the hand of this God that Amos is now the servant of as he preaches these messages. Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is no. Emphatically no. Two cannot walk together unless they are agreed. And the one characteristic of your day and my day is that we can walk together regardless of what our beliefs or our opinions may be. And we've got this broad, inclusivist idea and concept that's just spreading itself everywhere throughout the world. Makes no difference what you believe. Come on, we're together. Makes no difference uh, what your ideas are. Come on, we're together. And this thing runs through the church world. It runs through the political world. It runs through everything that you and I have anything to do with today. And the prophet is saying, can two walk together except they be agreed? 
The answer is no. You have to be agreed concerning God and His Son in order to have fellowship. And you have to be agreed in these matters if you're going to have the gifts and the blessings of life and grace which God bestows upon us in His righteousness. What you believe is all important. What you believe is of primary importance. It depends upon what you believe concerning Jesus Christ as to whether you're going to be saved or whether you're going to be lost. It is your belief. It is the things that you stand for as a result of the convictions of your heart that determine who you are and what kind of a person you're going to be. And oh, I'm so concerned today, beloved. I am so concerned. On every hand, you say it doesn't make any difference what you believe, just so they get an education. Just, just give them an education. That's all right. We'll give them an education. And I have families, and I hear people say, Well, I'm going to send my child to this school. They'll get a nice degree. They'll get a good education up there. And they never thought to find out what they're going to have in their heads when they get through. And it's this thing, what you believe, what you believe, what you believe. And I'm concerned what my church believes. I'm concerned what the young people believe. I'm concerned about the way in which they look at the Bible and they look at the world in which we live. This is everything. And Amos is saying, can two walk together except they be agreed? And so far as you and I are concerned, we're going to believe the Bible. We're going to believe the revelation. We're going to believe the righteousness of God. And in that glorious belief, we will have his protecting care and the blessing of his hand upon us. Now let's look at some more of these speeches. Turn to chapter 4, verse 2. Hear the word, ye kind of Bashan, ye cattle of Bashan. That are in the mountains of Samaria, which oppress the poor, which crush the needy, which say to their masters, Bring and let us drink. The Lord has sworn by his holiness that, lo, the day shall come upon you, that he will take you away with hooks and your posterity with fish hooks, and ye shall go out at the breaches and every cow at that which is before her, and ye shall cast them into the palace, saith the Lord. Come to Bethel and transgress at Gilgal. Multiply your transgressions and bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes every three years and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven and proclaim and publish uh, the free offering. For this liketh you, O children of Israel, saith the Lord God. I have also given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. And yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord God. And then we come on down that entire fourth chapter is how God's been dealing with the children of Israel. Ye have not returned unto me. Ye have not returned unto me. Ye have not returned unto me. Over and over and over again he says it through that fourth chapter. Then look at chapter 5. Verse or chapter 5, it is verse 10, down through this whole section. They hate him that rebuketh in the gate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. 
Something's happened to you people. You used to love to hear men stand and preach the truth to you. But now when somebody stands in the gate and he preaches the word unto you, you people hate him. And when someone comes and speaks uprightly before you, you are the people that abhor that kind of a preacher and that kind of message. Notice chapter 6, verse 1. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named the chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Verse 3, ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. Oh, beloved, when iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And he says, you are the people who put far away the evil day. You say it won't happen here. It can't possibly take place here. It's impossible. But he says, when you delay the evil day, then moves in on you more speedily than before. All of these principles are written here as Amos deals with the children of Israel. You turn over, if you will, to the 14th verse of this 6th chapter. Notice verse 14. Behold, I will raise up against you a nation, O house of Israel, and the Lord, the God of hosts, saith the Lord, the God of hosts, and they will afflict you. God says, I'll bring a judgment upon you and it'll be a nation that'll be raised up that'll come and afflict you because you've turned away from the things of our God. And then will you turn, please, to the 8th chapter and notice the 3rd verse. And the song of the temple shall be howling in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. And then down in verse 5 at the end of it he says, they, they falsify the balances by deceit, turning from the law, turning from the commandments, turning from what God has set before his people that they might seek to honor him in the things that they do as a people and as a nation. Beloved, you take the nine chapters of the book of Amos and the entire book's like this. The entire book's like it. Can you imagine what the people must have thought when this man Amos came to town? All right, well, you look down for just a moment and see what did happen. Turn, if you will, please, now to the seventh chapter. And in this seventh chapter, we have the problem that Amos had with his preaching. And this is indeed his preaching. Beginning with verse 7, the Lord showed me the... Uh, uh, thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon a wall made by a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. This is the line of straightness, the line of accuracy, there is a line of, uh, of uh, exactness. And the Lord said unto Amos, What seest thou? And he said, A plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the lens of my people Israel, and I will not again pass by them anymore. And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, 
and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. Jeroboam was the king. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus saith Amos, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, well let's not deal with Amos just a moment, let's take Amaziah. Beloved, Bethel was the capital. That was the headquarters. Amaziah was the priest of Bethel. He was in charge of religious activities in the town. Amaziah. And Amaziah was opposed to this independent by the name of Amos who came into the capital city. And Amos' preaching was so powerful as he denounced the sin of the people and as he cried out to the God of heaven that the people were being affected by this preaching. They were responding to this preaching of this man Amos. And the situation was completely beyond Amaziah. He just couldn't do anything about it. The situation got completely beyond him. And so Amaziah says, this man Amos is going around and he's denouncing my people. He's denouncing Israel. And he's become so extreme in what he's saying, he's actually gotten to where he calls Jeroboam by name. And this isn't right. This isn't right to have a man around that's denouncing Jeroboam. This isn't the thing that ought to be done any longer, especially in Bethel. This is the capital. And so Amaziah found that as the priest of the town, in charge of the religious activities and responsible for the services of worship, had to do something to silence this man Amos. So what did he do? He went over to the king. He went over to the king. He says, Jeroboam, there's a preacher in this town with the name of Amos. We can't do anything with him. Nobody can stop him. He's going all over the country. In fact, he denounces there from Moab to Gaza. There's nothing that he doesn't denounce. That's all he ever does. No matter where you look, he's after somebody. You should see this man, Amos. And he's come and parked himself here in Bethel. And he's disturbing the peace of our community. As a matter of fact, I'm in such trouble as the priest of this town that you're going to have to do something. And I want you to understand, Jeroboam, he's telling that you're going to go down. You're going to die. You're going to be killed. You're the one that's going to suffer at this. And Jeroboam, as the king, you've got to do something to stop Amos. You see how that stands out there? So here was the ecclesiastical leader of the town by the name of Amaziah going over to the political leader of the country by the name of Jeroboam. 
and saying, we've got an independent preacher in our town. He's come up here to Bethel, and nobody can stop him. He goes around telling everybody, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Got some crazy ideas that he has connection with God. There it is, beloved, just as plain as can be. Now notice, look at the next statement here. This is, this is beautiful. And Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, Amos, you're a great prophet. I know you're a great prophet. Came to him to compliment him. O thou seer, go, flee away into the land of Judah, and there eat bread and prophesy if you want to. But prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it's the king's chapel, and it's the king's court. Oh, Amos, don't you realize how we sanctify the king and honor the king and it's his court and it's his chapel? Don't you think, Amos, you ought to be considered of some of these things as well? Don't you think you ought to be mindful of it? This is the capital. This is, this is Bethel. If you're going to preach, Amos, go to it. You're a great prophet. But please go over to Judah and lean over there and prophesy all you want to in Judah. Just let us have some peace in Bethel. Look at the next statement. Then answered Amos and said unto Amos, I, I was no prophet. I don't have the standing you have, Amaziah. Haven't had the ordination that you have, sir. Don't have what you have, Amaziah. I haven't been appointed to take care of things here in Bethel like you have. I was no prophet, neither was I the son of a prophet, but I was a herdsman. And a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go! Prophesy unto my people Israel. You know, when I read this, and you see how dark the apostasy was in the days of, of Jeroboam, all of the priests had turned aside and said, It's all right, you can worship here if you want to, go up to uh, Baal if you want to, and go to Ashtaroth if you want to, but just be sure you come to our services on time too. And Amos gets up and says, two can't walk together unless they be agreed. But the official, the established, the recognized house of Israel had virtually entirely turned aside. And God says, well, here's some fellas out here running the herd. They're keeping the sheep. And I lay my hand on this man Amos. He's not a prophet. He's not the son of a prophet. But I lay my hand on him. And I let him come. And I put my spirit on him. And then he'll go and he'll preach. And that's what Amos did. He says, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But, beloved, no matter how dark it gets... God has promised to keep a witness on this earth to his name. And no matter how far the apostasy may go, God will raise up herdsmen. God will raise up men. God will raise up testimonies to his truth and to his word, and he has promised to do it. 
And so Amos had a command, go prophesy to my people Israel. Where did he go to prophesy against the house of Israel? Where did he go? Go down on the edge of the country somewhere? Go over here on the uh, Mediterranean Sea somewhere? No, he went down to Bethel, the capital. He went where the king was. When God told him to go prophesy against my people Israel, he went to the headquarters of Israel. And there he cried out, and there he spoke, and there he preached the word of the Lord. Amaziah goes to Jeroboam and says, you've got to stop Amos. And he goes to Amos and says, Amos, won't you go over to, over to Judah? Don't, don't bother us here. Please don't bother us here. This is the king's chapel. and This is the king's court. And don't you realize that this is a most inappropriate place for you to carry on like this? And to denounce Jeroboam in his own chapel? That's what Amos did. Now the last word I want you to see at verse 10. Verse 16. Now therefore hear the word of the Lord. Amaziah, you think you're the priest of Bethel, do you? Well, you've left the word of the Lord. That's what's wrong with you. I'm the prophet that's been sent to this town, and now you listen to me. Oh, beloved, the directness of this kind of preaching, the power of this kind of exposure that Amos was delivering. Just think of it. Thou sayest prophesy not against Israel anymore, and drop not thy word against the house of Israel. You want me to stop? Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city. And thy sons and thy daughters shall fall by the sword. And thy land shall be divided by lie. Isn't it interesting, beloved, that one of the judgments that God pronounces upon unfaithful servants, isn't it interesting that one of the judgments that God pronounces upon men who turn away and seek to resist the things of God when they stand in the pulpit is that they lose their children? They lose their children. And it's been that way. You can study Saul if you want to. You can study these great characters of Scripture. And wherever men have stood and fought and honored the commandments of God above everything else, the children understand it. The children see it. They see the issues. They see the principles. They see what's at stake. And then it gets into their hearts. It's something you can't buy. It's something you can't put in them. It's something you can't inject in them. It's something you just can't force upon them. Oh, beloved, God says here to Amaziah, because you have turned away from my commandments and because you're resisting my prophet Amos, your wife shall become an harlot and your sons and your daughter, they shall be slain with a sword. We've come to these days again, beloved, when I think of our brother Paisley. You know, I was so thrilled the other night with the response of you people. I want to tell you, as your pastor, when we had these men from Ireland in here preaching, you know, there was something about those preachers that seemed to get a hold of you people. I, I wondered what it was. 
You, you enjoyed hearing them. What was there about this young fellow, 24 years of age, getting up here and talking like he talked? What was it that made you respond? And then Sunday night when Mr. Green stood here and he came with his message and he just seemed to lay hold on you. What was it, beloved? I'll tell you what it was. It was the anointing of the Spirit of God in the message that these men preached and they've come out of a cauldron of fire over there. They've come out of a situation where their lives are in danger when they get up to preach. They've come out of a situation there where the power of the government has put a great preacher in jail. And out of that preaching, out of the cauldron of that struggle, here these men come fresh. And they have a unique baptism, that's what it is, by the Spirit of God as they preach the Word. I know if you could have seen Amos preach. My, the day that Amos stood there before Amaziah. Amaziah was chairman of the local council of churches. Yeah, he was chairman of the local council of churches. He was in charge of, of Bethel. And oh, if you could have seen Amos stand up to the local council of churches. And Amos said, well, you know, you went over and had a meeting with Jeroboam, didn't you? Tried to get Jeroboam to stop me, didn't you? And then you come and tell me that I'm a seer, you big hypocrite. You know I'm not a prophet. You're against me. You want me to get out of town. You want me to go over to Bethel, over to, over to Judah. Just get out of my area so you won't cause me any trouble. And the preaching of Amos had on it the anointing and that special unction that comes when men are close to the righteousness of God. Close to the righteousness of God. And it's that standard that the church is under. And that we're under. And that we must honor in all that we do. That was Amos. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank thee for the message. We thank thee that there is an anointing that thou dost give to men. That comes like in the days of Amos, and like in the days of our brother Paisley in Ireland. And oh, Father, we ask that we shall be a people who are close to thy righteousness, close to thy law in all that we're doing. For Christ's sake, amen. Now let us stand, please, and close our service by singing hymn number 496. We'll sing just the first and the last. A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify.